1: Evans from Hey Butterfly met her on Clubhouse shout out to Clubhouse and you're gonna hear why I reached out because she has a program Hey Butterfly that is taking students abroad and you'll also hear that her voice is like made for radio it's made to just be an influencer you could just hear it all day and say I wonder how old this person is talking with all this wisdom so Angelique how are you doing today I'm well today how are you all is well and warm, at least on this side. It was cold yesterday because it was like 672 degrees here in Florida. So we had, to, we had to put our jackets on. Can you A believe brisk it? 70. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, in Illinois, it's a stunning what? Um, I believe it was negative six earlier today. It might be a bit warmer. It looks warmer. We're at 29
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you guys will catch up, like, by the summer, um, you know. <laughs> July. <laughs> yes, yeah. By July, we'll, you
0: know, I'll be out there in my brisk 70 rocking a T-shirt.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and she didn't even say shorts. You guys got to relocate to the South. But I want to talk about, hey, Butterfly, and, you know, what you're doing as a uh, doctoral candidate, you know, up there in the cold how did this idea come about
0: um first i want to say thank you for speaking me as a doctoral candidate into existence uh i am hoping to sit my exams this year so i will be a doctoral candidate um but at this moment i am just a phd student (laughs) Uh, you know uh working to be a um a candidate so thank you for for speaking life over that i can't wait to contact you and say, guess what? I officially am today, <laughs> a doctoral candidate, okay? Um, but for now, I am uh, in my third year of my PhD program. And um, I. <laughs> if there's one thing I can say, I think my doctoral program and Hey Butterfly have taught me the importance of being flexible um, and flexible even within a vision Uh, that you have for yourself or a goal that you set for yourself Um, when I entered the program my heart was set on um, education for women in third world countries so education for women anywhere outside of the U.S. that was the goal um, to create programs to you know connect folks and that's just that's what I knew I was here for nothing was going to change that let's do this thing um first semester of my program, first year of my program, very first class of my program um, a professor basically challenged me to write a paper um, about myself. At the time I was living in China, I was in I think year eight or nine of uh, being an expat, and um, I am a black woman with locks and a nose ring, <laughs> and he, you know, he was very curious to hear about my story. And at the time, I didn't know about you know ethnography and the the possibilities that open within academia or scholarship that allow you to write about yourself and it be research. Your story lend itself to new things, um, and so I. Honestly, had a complete freak out and thought, I can never do this. I'm going to fail out of my program. First first class, you know, the complete nerd meltdown. I had it. Um, And eventually I said, you know, take the advice that you give to your students. Um, When I teach, I say, hey, if you really are just like, hey, Missy, I did not study. I'm not prepared. Don't give me a blank paper. Write your name. Your name counts for something. You can at least get five hot points. Write your name. I'm still going to keep and encourage you to keep writing on this paper, but at least write your name. Start somewhere. Um, And that's what I did. And it turned into this just deep, reflexive, thought provoking paper. And I realized that things that people had said to me in the past when I first said, hey, I want to go abroad. I want to go to China and not Europe or the continent um (laughs) their reactions it wasn't them saying I couldn't do it it was literally them saying we don't do that because in the past we are very much underrepresented in this field and who do you know that's done it you know and I don't think that people are trying to be um dissuasive at all I think they were just saying this is what I know and you know you go with what you know and um so this paper, you know, writing this paper was making me think. And then I start looking in the stats and numbers and the drafts of this paper. I kept saying, you know, somebody needs to do something about this. I look forward to when somebody does something, you know, let's let's watch what happens. Um, and my final draft, I don't know who gave me or what ancestors, what spirit gave me the gusto to say, You know, in my drafts, I said this mysterious, somebody should do something. Um, And now it's turned into a personal challenge to myself, a personal call to action. Why am I waiting for somebody else to do it? I have the thought. I have the idea. I've been abroad. I have the experience. The worst that can happen is the world tells me no, right? Don't talk yourself out of it. Um, (laughs) And so I say, you know, I'm going to do something. Watch me work. And... That's literally the foundation of Hey Butterfly. So this paper in in reading and seeing the the state of the field in a challenge to somebody <laughs> turned into why can't that somebody be you?
1: <laughs> and what process are you you in? I know this is a you know a newer venture. And what process are you in and, and where do you plan? on going with this because you guys are, you know, taking going to take students out of this country, which a lot of folks cringe if it's not in, you know, Europe or Spain or, you know, somewhere like that. You're talking about even going to Ghana. Oh, whoa. What could happen? You know? (laughs) (laughs) So, Um, yeah. Well,
0: first, I think it's important to say that Hey Butterfly is not just hey, y'all, we have a trip, let's go. Um, we are about addressing the barriers that we as Black folks face in going abroad, things that we, we don't know and other things that we might take for granted again because we just don't know. Um, and so our goal is to create a space that empowers and encourages um, community community. Um, It encourages us to think about our finances. A lot of people think, if I just get the money for my flight, I'm good. But you actually have to live when you get to this place. You have to eat. You need pocket money. Um, You're going to want to travel around when you see how much more affordable and accessible travel is once you're outside of the States to other places. Um, And so our goal is just to make this accessible, accessible. Um, make people see that their their dream or their their thoughts whatever it may be um, about the world around them can be so much more um, and it can inspire so much more uh, so we will run courses about financial literacy um, we will have um, folks who will work with our students to help build resumes and CVs to make them, Um, competitive in the job market upon return, or maybe they're trying to, you know, go abroad to do an internship or work. Um, Our goal is to make sure that they are successful in all of those ventures. Um, Regarding, (laughs) yeah, regarding location, um, Europe is hot because the field is dominated by folks who have roots they can trace to Europe for the most part, right? Um, And so, part of the um, ideas behind some of the trips that we hope to lead in the future. For example, Ghana, Um, shout out to the one and only, Dr. Arrington, who is um, a fellow doctoral student here. uh, And uh, she does her work in Ghana. And we applied for a grant together between our research um, to try to put together a study abroad course um, and trip to Ghana in the future. And our hope is that, you know, once COVID settles, we can actually do that. And um, we are trying to, of course, not only make study abroad, you know, something that is part of our educational conversations within our community. Um, But, you know, just as Europe is popular and people are tracing roots, these trips are typically called heritage trips. So when someone goes to a country for a study, um, and it's a place that maybe their great-great-grandparents immigrated from or something like that, it's called a a heritage trip. Um, And so for example, our Ghana trip, it is rooted kind of in that same idea um, of heritage and culture. Um, And so that is the thought plan and process uh, for that venture. More to come as it develops once we get there. Uh
1: so yeah. Well you guys are gonna have to catch, you know, if you're in Illinois, the pastries and passport events but what first got you to you know leave the country you said you know you were on your you know eighth plus year out of the country in Asia if I'm not mistaken yeah um, correct y- yeah what made you leave and did you add have you yet gone to the continent and seen it for yourself and you know kind of give us what would be the difference if you have
0: sure um so I originally Um, Studied abroad in Beijing, China at Zhao Shuyuan, which is the foreign affairs university. um, Yes, she speaks Mandarin. You see, yes, she (laughs) speaks Mandarin. And I also um, studied at uh, Tsinghua University. And so I went to study language. Um, Rumor had it that Chinese, all dialects included, um, was the most difficult language to learn. And I felt like Challenge accepted. <laughs> so, um, I went to China to study Chinese, uh, Mandarin, um, and uh, once I graduated from undergrad, there was just there weren't any jobs. It was it was difficult, and so again, flexibility in life. <laughs> I, I plan to go to Beijing again just for one semester, uh, six months. And I got there and I realized that book learning language doesn't always work well for me. I need to be where the people are. Um, And so I dropped out of school. I didn't tell my mother. Um, Mind you, I was there for a language learning certification. I was not there as a um, degree-seeking student. So if there are any students listening, please don't just drop out of a program. Um, I had graduated I was there for language education solely, um, and I was self-funded, so I didn't have any loans or anything that were paying for this. Um, and I was also in compliance with my visa; that is very important to say. Um, so once I realized, like you know, I I need to do something else. I need to be where the people are. I moved off campus. I got a job. Changed my visa from student to work. Um, And I started working, and that six months turned into 11 years. Um, (laughs) I just returned to the States a year ago today, actually. Um, And I can't speak enough about just the the doors and opportunities um, being overseas open for me. Um, In January of last year, well, December and January, um, during Lunar New Year holiday, I was on the continent. Um, I traveled to Ghana, Togo, and Morocco, um, and I loved every bit of everything that I experienced on the continent.
1: <laughs> wow. Wow. What a, what a life and a journey just, you know, taking, and you did it the right way if you didn't have student loans and made sure your visas, so you just weren't out there, you know looking um illegal making us uh, look bad when they catch those folks on youtube but what a journey um did your friends and family think when you first left that oh you're crazy you want to go where
0: i think everybody did to an extent um and i wouldn't say necessarily crazy just it was kind of like a wow uh what factor <laughs> like um and, and I, again, I think some of it was just was we don't know anyone that's done that, uh, gone away for a semester, not like a week or two, going to Asia and not Europe. Um, I think that was surprising. But, you know, even within academia, you know, I had some really great professors sit me down and say, you're going to China. China is a homogeneous culture. You are going to stick out. You are a woman who is going to China, right? And so there are different things that you might experience, um, specifically in education, okay, uh, that uh, your counterparts won't, probably won't encounter. Um, And I found that to be very true. Um, White folks can blend in any place that they go. People won't assume that they're from a specific place or that they speak a specific language or that they can't. Hold their own in certain arenas, um, whereas overseas, sometimes the negative stereotypes—that's um, what's exported <laughs> about people who look like you and I. And so, it's a very delicate, tightrope walk at times uh, to 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 engage in conversation. Um, and, and and sometimes the, the, the strangest things, you know, I had to convince people that I was American, for example. Um, <laughs> and my family, they weren't not supportive, but they were kind of on the fence, you know, safety, um, language, food, <laughs> money, uh, all of those things. But um, I was pretty headstrong and determined to go. And I think that that's just the first step, having that openness and willingness to Go and explore um, a new place and also realize that you can always come home. So, one thing I would say for anyone who's considering going abroad, make sure you have enough money for a plane ticket. If something were to happen and you're just like, I can't, or you know, you need to get home, you can always go home. Always
1: come home. So, you don't have to run to the embassy and say, Please, please try to kill me or something crazy.
0: I would hope that that's never the situation, uh, but again, as you um, alluded to earlier, it, sometimes the rules are not always the same for us. You know, abroad and traveling, um, there was a huge incident recently in Bali, and you know, folks were deported about it, um, and there were so many conversations surrounding that. And I just think, you know, again, part of it comes from you need to know where you're going and what's acceptable. Um, whether that's regarding a visa, whether that's concerning you know certain jobs or ways that you make money or our lifestyle, lifestyles or or, or anything because sometimes it's the smallest things that can that can catch you up. So.
1: Definitely. In that situation, if if we're being honest, that was all about you stunting on the people and you're supposed to be able to keep your money. You're not supposed to tell everything, at least, you know, make sure you're following the laws with those young ladies um, in in Bali. And the same thing happens with folks in different African countries. I I represent influencers. And so I hear all the stories and I'm like, why would they say that? Why yeah, would they tell that? You know, some things
0: wow. you have to play it close to the vest until you know that you're doing it right. Whether that means your visa is correct, you're living in the right area, you're paying whatever taxes, you have the right sponsorship. Um, I mean, you just you got to know the culture of, of the places that you're in, um, religion as well. It, religion and politics play parts as well. Uh, <laughs> so,
1: yeah. <laughs> so, so you know all this experience do you feel ever and i i've been to 18 countries and i say you know what in most of the countries i might have had maybe one bad experience thank god cuz bad is relative right cuz you might right. learn from something that was a stumbling block but i'm like we we as Black folks, as Americans, we get a thing called American privilege when we leave. And I really like that privilege. And I really see, like, okay, this is how, you know, the majority here in America feel because there are certain things that you can do in Africa, you could do in Asia that people would be like, ah, nah, that can't happen. Um, There's certain places in South Africa, black people can't go unless you're a black American and you open your mouth and it's, oh, the Americans are here. It's like you're RoboCop or something. Mm-hmm. And so did you get to feel that? And if so, in which countries?
0: Ooh. Um, First, uh, thank you so much for bringing up the realities of the power of the passport um, and the way that we can all be colonizers, for lack of better words, in certain spaces. Maybe not to the extent that we've seen, well, not to the extent at all, that we've seen uh, in you know the history books, but we can definitely have privileges on account of our passports. There's no other way to say it. Um, I don't know that I have ever been allowed into some place that others couldn't. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be that. I I do have an example. It's a very extreme example, but it's the only one I can think of. Um, In China, religion is a very delicate subject, Um, but there in Beijing, for example, there are some international churches but to enter the churches, you have to show your passport. Um, so it's it's a small example, but it's also big to folks who, you know, wanted entry and, and didn't have a foreign passport. Um, but like big picture, I don't think so. I think no, I can't. I can't think of any.
1: And and <laughs> let me give you an example of one that my audience um, they have heard before. One of my uh, friends. African tigress in Nairobi, downtown. I am having to go to the bathroom bad. I okay. said bad. And I gotta, I gotta do everything in the bathroom. I said, Africans, that's how, cause we've known each other, you know, for so long. So I'm telling okay. you this story and everybody, I said, I gotta go to the bathroom bad. You think that nice restaurant will let me in. She turned to me and she's like, you're an American. You can go anywhere you want. <laughs> and mm. I did, I walked up, you know, they had a, a door person and I said, hey, I gotta go to the bathroom. Oh, come on in, sir. I'm in like uh, basketball shorts. My knee is bloody because I had um felling off these steps, right? Oh no, my knee's bloody, and I rough day all around. Yeah, all all day, and I got my diversified game shirt. My hair at that point was spiked up, but because. I'm an American, I got the same feeling of when I was in London a decade prior, um, mm-hmm. South Africa a decade prior when folks say, oh, the Boers, that's their restaurant, but you could go in mm-hmm. there. And I'm like, we all going in there if I'm going in there. Exactly, exactly. It, it, yeah, so it's it's just those, it's subtle sometimes that you might not even notice. You might catch a mm-hmm. cab, um, you know, in Ghana because, oh, she doesn't look like she's from here necessarily. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, get, get in. And you do look like you could be from Ghana, right? I
0: heard that a lot when I was in Ghana. They were like, "Sis, you look like you 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 you, you blend in." I, I, I was I was happy about that. Um, but I'm sure when I talk, people are like, "Just kidding."
1: Yeah, that you look, you look the part, that, but <laughs> yeah, that or you may have some clothing or an item that they're like, "That's something." You know, she probably could be abroad living so let me pick her up because she might be able to pay more money um I know at bars I don't know if you go to bars but hey I need help I'm the first one to be served on the continent American mm. needs help oh spend that dollar holla That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah so no this is a beautiful thing now I know you're you know still in the student stage but how what is your like community give back Maybe outside of Hey Butterfly or maybe it's inside um, that you are doing or that you want to do in the future. I ask all my guests that. And because your life can be a give back, it's going to be kind of maybe a difficult question. But um, yeah, give us something.
0: Um, My consistent give back,
1: um, which is now part
0: of Hey Butterfly, has been to always say if you have a question, don't hesitate to reach out. Like I'm very much um, open to conversation. Uh, I think it's important to just, you know, make yourself available within, you know, the limits and the times and space that you have. Uh, So just being willing to talk about my experiences, being willing um, if I'm in certain spaces and I see an issue and it's definitely a simple miscommunication between languages, uh, stepping in and translating. Um, I think probably (laughs) my family's favorite moment one time we ordered food in Virginia from this Chinese restaurant that they always go to. uh, And we had a price for the food in mind when it got there and they were trying to charge us like 40 bucks more. And it was because they had updated the menu but when I got off the phone, they didn't say your total is do do do. So the guy came and he was like, "Yeah, you know, give us you know forty bucks plus." And I was like, "Call your restaurant." He he was like, "Look, I I don't I don't want to be you know dissuasive, but I've never seen them give people a discount. They they're not gonna do anything, even for like their own folks around here. They don't call your restaurant. I need to talk to the boss." Um. So we get on the phone, talk to the boss. Um. And they spoke Cantonese, but they also spoke Mandarin. So. My Cantonese is not excellent. Uh, so we switched over to Mandarin and then they were trying to figure out where I was from because I ended up getting the food for what we had already anticipated plus a little bit off, you know, for good measure because we're we're Pongyo men now. We're friends. Uh, <laughs> and so when he got back on the phone, they were asking him, like, what did I look like and where does she look like she's from? And he's like, I can't answer these questions. And I was like, don't tell them. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we already worked this out. Um, so, you know, helping people when they need help, um, sometimes just seeing people who are who are lost and, you know, (laughs) don't know. So Um, but just honestly being open to the community Um, and currently with Hey Butterfly, we're working on our first event, which is Passports and Pastries, Um, and we are running our first ever uh, first of many uh, gift the world um, grant fundraising events. Um, And our goal is to gift 10 scholars who participate in our gift, the, I'm sorry, in our passports and pastries event, um, a gift the world grant. And the grant will take care of all of the fees associated with obtaining a US passport. So that's your application, your processing, uh, your photos, uh, your mailing fees, like all of that. Uh, we'll also provide you the passport application. We'll have a workshop to help you work through that. Um, and I think some, you know, Financial barriers are a lot more than saying I don't have the money for a plane ticket, right? A, pa- a passport is almost two hundred dollars after you put in, you know, taxes and associated fees. More often than that, we we don't have that, especially in the middle of a pandemic, to just to give that, and you can't travel anywhere right now. Um, and so, right now, the give back is you know opening doors to the best of my ability, um, sharing my experiences. I'm happy to speak to people about what they think they want to do um, and getting people passports right now. That's, we can't travel, but we can prepare to travel. So that's the goal.
1: Okay. No, that's awesome. And I want you guys to check that out and, you know, don't let money stop you because many people are getting you know, their second round of stimulus checks. I've seen you guys buying bigger TVs than I've ever had in my house and all type of stuff. Take $200 and invest in to be able to travel the world when things do open up yes. and be safe about it. I wanna take the conversation offline because I'm gonna bug my guest <laughs> about, you know when is she gonna start her YouTube channel? So you guys like, share, subscribe, you'd be blessed. Thank you. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and lox, fish and grits.